Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 21 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today, bud? Doing pretty well, man. I'm well rested. Nice, nice. Yeah, which is a real rarity for me, which is pretty cool. We, uh, we actually had some nice warm days this week. Yeah, they're gone now. Oh yeah, now they're way gone. It's pr- it it's might supposed snow to tomorrow. snow a little bit tomorrow, and April the sixteenth. Just uh, what? Uh, but we did we did definitely have a couple of nice days, which kind of reset my internal emotional clock on that. Yeah, I can, right. Yes, <laughs> if you've got a little bit of respite, you can get through a lot a lot more cold weather but i would really like it to be done now though. oh sure that absolutely cool. i uh, i i was also running into a weird thing where since it was still cold i kept forgetting that taxes were due oh yeah mm-hmm. which oh yes. by the way i this i think this episode is dropping on tax day if you haven't done it yet um you, you are probably a lot yeah, like me gotta... but you should get them done yeah you should definitely do your taxes that I is ju- the thing i just did mine last night um. Anyway, but let's talk about literally anything else because that is the worst subject in the entire world. Dave, today we are going to be watching episode twenty-one called "The Storm Calling Kendama." But before we get into that, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to know what the first star of the week is? Sure, Matt. Well, I'm glad because I, I have it sort of written down here, and it would have been would have been weird if I had to skip it because then we would only have four stars this week. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, actually, uh, I was. I forgot that you were going to talk about the first star, and I had like a half star that I was going to like throw in there. Actually, about taxes. Check this out. Ready? Ready? Go for it. Life pro tip. This is an actual life pro tip. If you if you can, like if your monthly finances will allow for this, just set your set your withholdings higher than you need to, and then when you do your taxes, you get money back. If you do that, are you making an interest-free loan to the government? Yes, you are. However, it does make tax season, uh, you know, something to look forward to instead of dread. So, there yeah, you go. I can see it. It's, it's sort of like the like uh, a more high-level version of just hiding a twenty-dollar bill in your winter coat. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Like then winter comes around, you're like, oh, it's cold. I gotta put this coat on. But there's twenty dollars, so. Yeah. yeah, it takes the sting out of it. So anyways, Matt, what is our first star of the week? The first star of the week is I went to a music concert. Oh, fun. It's all banned live, which you know, if if you know me uh, much at all, you will know that I am not a guy who goes out to see concerts. Yeah, no, nor am I. It's uh, just not a, I, like, I don't I, know, it was just well, never a thing I got into. Well, the thing is, I only like five bands, and three of them are the Beatles. So, like, there's not a lot of reason <laughs> for me to go out to shows. Um, but the Mountain Goats were coming through Cleveland, and that is, like, one of the other two bands. So I went to go see them, and my dude, uh, I had never seen them live before. If you were if you were a fan of them, and you were wondering if they are very good live, uh, the answer is yes. It is exactly what you want it to be, and it was great. 
Nice. Um, I kind of don't have a lot of jokes about it. It was a weird night because I kept running into people I hadn't seen in like five years. Mm. Um, and I think it's partially just because like the concert was at uh, the Beachland Ballroom, which is on the other side of town from me. But on the is it is it over on this is it over on the east side of town? Yeah, I mean it's it's I like I never go. Yeah, I mean I don't go to concerts, so I don't know. Sure, but um, yeah, it's on the east side. Um, but it's but I ran into not only someone with whom I used to work when I worked at uh, Borders, but also one of our regular customers from that same Borders. And like the place that like the Borders was in Solen, uh, the Beachland is not in Solen. Like it's a sort of a drive from there too. So running into two people from the same place that I hadn't seen in five years on the same night was very weird. Yeah, but if you asked me, like, I feel like the odds in that are pretty good. Because if you ask me, like, what's the Venn diagram of people who worked at Borders and people who are also the mountain, like, fans of the mountain goat? Goats? There's more than one goat, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would imagine that the center of that Venn diagram uh, is pretty large. Well, that is true. I, I actually, when I went to go to the show, I texted another friend of mine who I used to work with at that same Borders and said, hey, I'm going to go see the Mountain Goats. And he said, cool, I'm also going to go see them when they come through my town in like a couple of months. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of, that tracks for me. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, one of the guy the guy who I used to work with that I saw at that show was wearing a concert t-shirt of the recent Weird Al concert. Oh, man. Which is another, is I his... feel like, uh, like sort of perfect Venn diagram. Yeah, that's, again, I think there's like a handful of acts and, and groups and stuff that like, if you worked at Borders, like the likelihood is pretty good that you also are into this other thing. Yeah, dude, that show, that uh, Weird Al concert was his like weird self, like small concert self-indulgent, like... He's only doing, like, original songs and deep cuts off the albums for this tour. Oh, yeah. And there's, like, no costumes and, like, no laser light show. It's, like, Weird Al Unplugged doing his own favorite songs. Dude, I so wanted to go to that. Not only when he played in Cleveland did they play Albuquerque, they opened with Albuquerque. Like, that is the sort of show it was. No, that would have been super, super cool. And, you know, listen, man, uh, I feel like Al's earned it. I feel like Weird Al's earned that one. Oh, sure. Uh, anyway, that's, that was my, that was my Friday night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Dave, what is the second star of the week? Well, uh, my Friday night and my Thursday night and my Saturday night actually were taken up with the play. We just did the play this, this past weekend and it went really well, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, the kids crushed it. That's awesome. Which I know know there was a lot that went into that. Yeah, man, boy howdy. Uh, so we did the show we did is noises off and it is just, it's a monster of a show. But they did a really fantastic job. Unfortunately, and this is actually like, this is a real bummer for me. And I'm staying real chipper about it. Uh, but that's just my voice. But in my heart, know that this is kind of bumming me out. It was literally our worst attended show ever. For reasons that I cannot fathom. Like, I just don't understand why. Like, just like nobody came to see this show. We took a real bath on it. We're going to have to like do some fundraising. Oh, that later. sucks, man. It I, does. It super sucks. Genuinely, um, I, it, was, it might have job. just been the weather. Like, it's still cold. Oh, no, actually. Okay, here's the deal. It has been cold for ages. Um, the only nice nights we've had in Cleveland since in, like, the last couple of months were Thursday and Friday night. Yeah, yeah maybe. So it might just I be that know. everyone well, was... was like, man, I could go to this play, or I could, 
like stand outside for a couple of hours and just soak yeah, well, in warmth. Saturday was gross again, and it definitely was the best attended show of the three. So maybe there's something to that. Uh, but now the show is over, and I like there's weeks, so there's a month and a half of school left. But whenever the show ends, I just already feel like I'm on vacation because all I have to do is go to my actual job instead of because I dude I've been working. 14-hour days this past week. Oh, yeah, And man. the weeks before that weren't that long, but they were very long. And so just when I don't have to, to do that anymore, it's kind of mind-blowing. And then actually, so um, our mom and dad are moving back from Sweden, which is crazy. Yeah. And uh, it's very cool. And they are, they were, they're moving to Washington, D.C., and they were down there house hunting. And Beth said, Beth, my wife, said, you know, you're going to be gone all weekend like you're just going to be at this running this show Mm -hmm. basically all weekend why don't i just take the twins like i'll go down and see mom and dad i'll get out of the house like we'll get to visit it'll be great and uh you know you just do that so i was like yeah cool um sounds great so not only have i like i've been running the show but i've been sleeping i've had two nights in a row of uninterrupted sleep oh wow yeah it's incredible but I am having a very weird experience, which is like I'm basically batching it for the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, you know, it's just me. And I had for like I'm digging it, like definitely, like a, but it's but it's nice to visit. Like I wouldn't want to live here anymore. Like it's very strange. Like I'm enjoying the quiet, but it's also slightly disconcerting because mm-hmm. I'm so unused to it at this point. But yeah, so the show is over. Uh, the kids did a fantastic job. There's no. Like, there's no, <laughs> I don't have any jokes about yeah. that. It's just really exciting. Uh, well, what, what you can do to combat that silence, Dave, is what I do when I'm batched in 24-7 is uh, you just toss some headphones in and listen to a bunch of podcasts. And it's like someone is hanging out with you. I did actually, like, yesterday, during the day, I kind of didn't have anything to do. And I did. I sat down and I played Hitman for, like, four hours, which I basically don't play video games anymore. Uh, and it was really nice. It was great. Yeah. So that was a cool thing. Uh, so anyways, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Uh, third star of the week, Dave, is that I also sat down for a few hours yesterday and was just playing a video game. Uh, well, that's less exciting for you, but okay. Sure, let's talk about that. Hey, man, listen, you, you got to talk about <laughs> yours. <laughs> uh, no, it was cool. I, uh, I, I've recently bought the new Far Cry game, Far Cry 5. Oh, I hear very good things about it. Yeah, it is, like, listen, the, the story in the Far Cry games are always, like, real wackadoo. And, like, this one is potentially, like, the worst of the most recent, uh, like, stories in the games. But the actual gameplay of the games are super fun. And here is what I discovered, Dave. There is an alternate mode in this game. And I promise not to get too deep on this, because once I start talking about alternate modes of video games, I feel like there has got to be a percentage of our audience that is immediately tuning out. So just stick with me for a second. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. There is a version of this game within the game called, like, Far Cry Arcade. Okay. And what it is, is it's just, like, little mini-maps you go and do. So, like, the gameplay of this game is super satisfying, but the story is kind of odd. So the arcade is just the gameplay with none of the story. And, like, apparently it's sort of like a Mario Maker thing. Like, players can go in and make their own maps. 
So okay. what I have discovered is that there is essentially an infinite well of just like little mini Far Cry games that I can be playing. And I'm very excited about it and a little Ooh, that worried. Dangerous. That, yeah, it's just going to suck me in. Yeah, that's mm, that is a little bit concerning. I, I need to pick up like a secondary hobby outside of this podcast uh, to make sure that I'm not just throwing all of my town time down that like one weird well. Um, <laughs> and when I say other ho- hobbies aside from this podcast, I probably just mean other podcasts to do. But that is that is something I will work on a little later. Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week is it's a little bit of a bummer, but it's kind of funny. So my garage door broke. Mm-hmm. That is a bummer, right? Yeah, it is. And it's so. What happened is that the like, it's like a there's like a spring cable that helps you lift the door because garage doors are very heavy, right? Yes. And it snapped. Aha! Uh-huh. But when it snapped, my garage door was kind of janky, anyways. And so when it snapped, the garage door itself kind of came off, literally came off the rails, like the the track that guides it. Oh. Right? Yeah. So so I can't get it open. Like, I can only sort of wedge it up a little bit, enough to kind of, like, get my head under and see what had happened. But but I can't actually open my garage at all. And there's no other... It's a really old garage. It's original to the house, so there's no other door. There's not, like, a side door. door to it? Yeah, that doesn't exist. So I could potentially... Like get it at least I can't fix the spring like that's beyond my expertise and I need a new one anyways. I could potentially get it back on the rails in order to open the garage, but in order to do that, I have to get into the garage because that's where all my tools are. So oh, like if I can yeah. get into the garage, I could fix it, but I can't get into the garage, so I can't so I can't fix it. So I gotta have a guy out to fix it. I guess he's just going to have to, like, axe his way through the, the gra- existing garage door. Because, like, there's no other way in. You can't. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just going to have to dismantle this thing. So, um. I guess maybe yeah. get, like, a hydraulic jack or something and put it under the door. But I guess that wouldn't work because it's not on the track. It's That's the thing. Is it, and it's, so it's, like, wedged now? So, like, I got my car jack out and tried to push it up, and all that happened is that the door itself started to splinter. Like, the wood of the door is weaker than all the other component <laughs> parts. So, I, I mean, like, if I had a, again, like, if I could get at my circular saw, I could just, like, cut a hole in the door, but it's in the garage. Yeah, so when I guess the guy comes out, he's just going to have to cut a hole in the door? I don't know. I'm not a garage door repair guy. I mean, clearly. But, Otherwise, this yeah, was already clearly, been taken right. care of. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, that's my that's my the saga of my garage door. All right, uh, well, keep us updated. As a, events Warren, I guess. Uh, so, Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is that there is going to be a like a special Super Sentai movie uh, that they're putting out. Um, oh, I was reading about this. Yeah, and it's okay. It's not a reunion movie because it's not actually people who were on the same shows together. But it is like a, um, it's it's a bunch of people from previous shows. So it's it is the Pink Ranger from uh, Magic Ranger, the Blue Ranger from Hurricane and the Yellow Ranger from Decca Ranger. Um, and those were all series from, like, the early 2000s, or, like, 2002 to 2000, 
2005-ish, somewhere in mm-hmm. there, right? I looked up the dates before this, but I uh, had them on my phone, and I put my phone away, and now I don't know what the dates are. Um, but it, it's in that range, um, which does not seem like a very long time ago, until you remember that 2003 was 15 years ago. Yeah, that is... Uh... Yeah, that's a really long time ago. Yeah, man. Time's winged chariot and all that. So, um, what this movie is, it is, it is these, these three women um, who now are, like, you know, adults in their 30s with children who, like, get sucked back into doing Super Sentai stuff. Like, they have to, like, team up to fight somebody to maybe to save their kids. I don't know. I tried to watch the trailer, but it was all in Japanese and there were no subtitles. Mm, um, well, that would make it difficult. But I thought it was such a cool idea to, like, get these people who, you know, like, they're not... When people do these shows originally, they're all fairly young. So there's a pretty long tale on how many times they can, like, come back and do this sort of stuff before they age out of it. Yeah, right. Because everybody is in, you know, between, like, 18 and 19 and, like, I would say at max, like, 24, 25... Yeah, so if you have them come back like 10 years later, they're still like, you know, in, you know, in their sort of fitness prime and can still do all the kung fu stuff. And yeah, I'm really excited to watch this thing. I hope, I imagine I'll probably have to find like a fan sub of it somewhere. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Uh, No, I really, I do. This is super amazing. A, I love the theme that it's just moms, like Mom Ranger. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. And also, I am deeply in love with the, uh, like, the retired badass trope. Right? Like, if you oh, yeah. were super amazing and then you retired, it's like, and they pull you out for one last job. Like, oh, I man. love that. I'm a real, real sucker for it. Get, getting the band back together and one last job, especially when mm-hmm. those two things, like, line up together, are oh, yeah, some of man, my favorite I'm, things. I'm down all the time. Uh, anyways, Matt, that's, uh, yeah. So, if anybody knows, actually, when it's... Yeah, when it's happening well, we know and how I can up. watch it. Yeah, that's really what I want to know, is how I can watch this thing. So, I don't know, man. Hook us up. Let us know. Yes, but speaking of watching Sentai, Dave, uh, let's go do it. Let's watch episode 21, The Storm Calling Kendama, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 21, The Storm Calling Kendama, Um, and Dave, I love this TV show that we watch. Dude, I... (sighs) I are you okay? Do yeah. You just, do you do you need to take a minute to really fully comprehend it all? You know, dude, I did. I took a minute, Matt. I'm still working my way through this episode. Like in my heart. Uh okay. So Okay, so first thing, uh you do oh, you need to know this. This there's a piece of prerequisite information about this episode. And that piece of information is what a kendama is. Yes. And uh, a kendama is the, it is the Japanese, it's like a ball and cup game. Yeah. Like there's a handle and, uh, but it's like, it's like next level ball and cup game. So here's the deal. Yeah, there's, there's still is, just the one ball, but there are multiple cups. Yeah. There's like a big cup on one side and then you flip it over and there's a smaller cup. And then the bottom of the handle itself is a cup. And then on the top of it, there's like a spike and the ball has a hole in it. So you can you can sort of flip it between the two different cups. You can catch it on the spike. You can catch it on the handle of the cup or uh, the handle of the thing. And it's just, it's like a, 
it's a toy from back when before people knew what fun was. I don't know. I mean, listen, um, there's more to that said, than there are to like fidget spinners. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, also he said as a dude who spent like many, many, many hours learning how to juggle. So, you know, I, I don't know if I have a whole lot of place to talk. <laughs> um, but that is what a kendama is. And also, Matt, uh, if, in case you were curious, if you go on the internet and you search for kendama, there are people who have just taken taken kendama playing to just like a whole uh, next level. Oh, yeah? And have turned it into, yeah, and have turned it into like sort of a form of juggling, I guess, uh, in a way that is both deeply impressive and to me just very confusing. Because I wouldn't... L- I mean, listen, again, I learned how to juggle, so live your life how you want to live it. I just would not look at a kendama and be like, well, that's what I'm de- dedicating my life to. Now, Dave, did any of those people spend seven years and 500 million yen perfecting their art? Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, they did well, not. Well, so... that is where they fall short of uh, some of the, th- the people in this episode. Yeah. Okay, so here is the... This episode starts with a scene that... It has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Well, okay. It kind of does. Well, okay. Yeah, it does a little bit. It, it starts off at a quarry, mm-hmm. which, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, but we hear some very energetic, like, J-pop music playing. Uh, we don't see anything at first. We just hear this music. And then we get maybe the greatest scene of Sentai that I've ever witnessed, Matt. Yeah. So we, 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 we see... One of the giant robots, Red Dancer. Oh, wait. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, He's no, no, called man, Red it's... Puncher. Usually. But right Usually. now, in my notes, he is only Red Dancer. Yeah, because Red Dancer and Orobo are doing aerobics mm-hmm. along with being piloted by the, the male rangers. And Momo and Juri are like up on a cliff leading Orobo and Red Dancer in an aerobics routine. Yes. In order in order to rehab them? Yeah, it's physical therapy, Dave, because O-Ranger Robo got destroyed a couple of weeks ago and is still, like, not entirely repaired. So they were putting yeah. O-Ranger Robo through his paces in this, like, aerobics thing. And I want to be clear about something. Later... A little later, we will see more aerobics, um, like a quick scene of it, while people are in their O-Ranger jumpsuits. Um, Jury and Momo are not in their O-Ranger jumpsuits. They no, are not. No, they are in, like, 80s, 90s, like, um, like workout leotards. Yes. Uh, with, like, a crop yes, top shirt. It is... Listen, I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, it's a good look. It's a very good look. <laughs> um... And then so Momo says, she like gives a big thumbs up and she's like, oh, Robo, like get well soon. Momo, robots don't heal. They're not Matt's car. That's not (laughs) a thing that happens with machines. You just fix them. You fix them and then they're better. Now, okay, there is one, there is like one moment of sanity in all of this, which is, uh, I think it's Shohei, they are, it's Shohei and uh, Yuji are piloting a Robo. Yeah. And they are, they're like calling out some diagnostic stuff while this is happening. It's like, oh, the right, you know, rotator ring still seems like blah, blah, blah. So there is some sense to it. 
again, with the exception that everybody else seems to be treating O-Robo as though it is a, a being that will heal on its own mm-hmm. and needs physical therapy rather than, like, a robot and you just have to replace the parts. Uh, anyway, it's extremely excellent. Um, yeah. We, we closed this scene out with a... Just the two robots dancing in the quarry until eventually O-Robo, like, loses his balance and falls over. Yes. Uh, we do get a scene where the robots are, like, shimmying on each other. Oh, there's a like, good bit of shimmying. Yeah. Well, like, they're dancing to get... I don't know. Uh, you just, like, even if you don't watch this show, like... Fine, guys, just find this scene. Like, I feel it's like worth, this is the sort of your thing... Time. That you might have already seen as a gift somewhere. Yeah, that would be really cool if you had. Uh, so we go from there to the moon, actually. And what we find out is that the robots, or the, the Baranoi Empire, rather. I mean, they are robots, but they they know pretty accurately how how well O-Robo is doing. Because Empress Hysteria says that O-Robo is 70% recovered. Like, he's almost he's almost ready to go. And again, they do say recovered and not repaired. Yeah, well, uh, uh-huh, they do. <laughs> uh, and uh, then she and... goes into this whole thing that maybe you understood it better than I did. She's like, yeah, they've almost fixed it, but we're going to go defeat them because they're, like, when you're almost better is when you're most vulnerable or something. Yeah, okay, here's the only thing in that, that that maybe makes a little bit of sense to me, is that, like, you th- you're almost better... And so you think, like, in your head, you're like, oh, I must be fine. And then you go to do the things you would normally do, and you're not actually fine, and you, you kind of scream. It's like when you're almost better, and you go back to, like, you're like, oh, I'm fine, because I felt great yesterday sitting on the couch in my pajamas watching TV. And then you go to work, and you realize that the only reason you were feeling okay is because all you did was sit on the couch in your pajamas and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And then you actually have to do things. You're like, oh, no, this is still terrible. <laughs> Maybe that's what she's talking about, but for giant robots. Yeah. In any case, she she yep. has some sort of plan to destroy them. Yeah, we don't know what yet. So we go back down to Earth, and Goro and uh, Momo and Juri are doing aerobics, just in a a uh, like a park area. Well, they're in a park next but to a, a train. train. Yeah. Uh, on the they're train, just... <laughs> on the train are Yuji and Shohei. And they are sulking yeah. while eating ice cream cones. Yeah, which is an amazing look. Oh, Goro does say, he's like, man, this is way easier in Red Puncher. Which, yeah, dude. Yeah, of course it is. Because you're not actually doing anything. You're just piloting the robot, dummy. <laughs> um, so anyways. And so what we find out is that Shohei and Yuji are are kind of jealous of Goro. Because he has his own robot. Like, everybody else has to pilot O-Robo, and O-Red has Red Puncher. Yeah. And uh, Yuji specifically is like, man, if I had my own robot, like, that would be the best. And, like, I would totally rule at it. He's just, like, complaining while, like, eating ice cream. It's, man, I I really feel Yuji in this episode. Like, a lot. Yeah, no, like, it does make sense. And also, I think it's not helped by the fact that of the two, I think Red Puncher is is infinitely cooler than O-Robo. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like, Yuji does have his own giant robot. It's a cool Sphinx robot. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, if anybody should be complaining about this, it is Juri and Momo, because not only do they have to be the ones in charge of the physical uh, therapy for the giant robots, but their personal robots are the ones that just get dragged around on chains. Yeah, for real. Like, at least least uh, Yuji could, like, hop in his robot and take it out for a spin. Well, I mean, um, the... The blaster, I can't I can never remember their names. They do have like wheels. I they think they can probably move around on some level on their own. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe those wheels are literally only for for getting dragged. For like being dragged, and all of their power is dedicated to those giant blaster cannons. Which actually I'm actually sort of into that more. Like, no man, there was no more energy for like an engine. It's all it's just all blasters. <laughs> it's all you're hundred percent blaster power. Um okay. So, a kid runs in with a friend, and I... Okay, let me just say something really quickly. I find it, like, low-key weird how many young friends the O-Rangers seem to have. Like, every episode, some kid that we've never seen before runs up and is like, Oh, O-Rangers, like, blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, oh, hey, I think this kid's name is Mikio. I didn't write it down. Uh, uh, it's it like, is. oh, I hey, Mikio, how are you? What's up? You're right. It is Mikio. Yeah, nice. Uh, like, oh, hey, how are you, kid that we apparently know? Yeah, they it's don't just, have like, any other friends their own age. Like, they know yeah, each other and children. It's a little bit strange. What I, what I uh, have so to anyways. assume is that, like, the O-Rangers, as part of their, like, there's like a community outreach aspect to their job where they spend a couple hours a week working in like a local youth center. No, I mean, that would make sense. Because but otherwise... Like we never see it. I mean, listen, <laughs> what what really made no sense was how the cocky rangers always seemed to know children because they didn't even stay in the same town for too long. They would just like drive through on their magical like cat bus crepe truck and go from town to town and always seem to know at least three children. Yeah, dude, if I were a parent, I would not let my kids hang out. Like, the O-Rangers make sense. I would not let my children hang out with the Kaku Rangers. Like, no. vagabond crepe merchants. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so anyways, this kid runs up, and he says, uh, O-Rangers, this is my friend from, like, from the country. Yeah, her name, and is, she has... her name is Tomoko, and she's from oh, a town you. called Yumena, or Yumena, okay. or whatever. And- and uh, and it, we, we find out is that it's kind of like out, like it is a sizable town, but it's like really far away from anything else. And they are a like lumber town. That is their, like that kind of is the town industry and that's sort of like what they're built around. And they say, we have, we have built this robot and we need someone from O-Ranger to come pilot this robot because we built a giant robot, but we're all like carpenters and lumberjacks like we don't know how to pilot the thing right like we need a giant what? robot pilot and you five are the only ones in the world who do that yeah which okay so just real quickly yuji is like what it's awesome like i'm down like i'll go do this thing because he desperately wants so... his own robot yeah, so they go to the town, and here's what we find out is, again, they are like a lumber town, but the other thing that they do is they're really famous for, like, wooden toys. And one of the wooden toys for which they are famous is the kendama. Like, they make they make kendamas, and, like, everybody knows it, okay? Mm-hmm. So, 
they have spent who appears to like this guy who appears to be the mayor of the town is sort of like leading them through this and you can tell and, he's the mayor because he has a mustache and a bow tie yeah and his son has been like the lead engineer on this project and they as a town have spent 7 years and 500 million yen building a giant wooden robot all and the wood. reasoning, yeah, and so what they say is like, we have built this robot to revitalize our town. Listen, man. I don't, I don't know how Sometimes on you're God's in, green earth. You're in a slump. You really need to put yourself out there. Uh, sometimes you build a new park, you know. Sometimes you do a, a sort of a massive downtown renovation, you know, you... You fix up some of the old buildings. You sort of rehab some warehouses. Maybe turn them into some, uh, some you know, residential areas. You know, you, there's different things you can do. Try to bring in, you know, like a nice nightlife or restaurant scene. And then sometimes you build a giant wooden robot. And I think Dude, these all like, these all work. These are all good plans. This this giant robot is like the it's the Batman of giant robots. How do you which, mean? Okay, oh, sorry. So there's this, okay, there's this thing about Batman. And, like, listen, I love Batman. But, like, if you do a cost breakdown analysis of, like, how much it costs Batman to be Batman, and then you think about how much good Batman could have done by just spending all of that money on, like, social programs in Gotham, the entire conceit of Batman completely falls apart. Like, Batman is a useless idiot. Okay, well. Like, he should have just spent all that money building, like, boys and girls clubs. He does that, too. Well, okay, that's a good point. Uh, and, and so listen, the, it's not like, like Bruce Wayne is going to run out of money. He spends infinite <laughs> money on social programs, and then he spends <laughs> the other half of his infinite money on being Batman. And listen, so, you can't stop Scarecrow with the Boys and Girls Club, Dave. <laughs> so, so there's for five hundred million. That's four. In, in, I just looked it up. In, in as of today, that's uh, four point six million dollars building a giant robot. And here's the most incredible thing. Over the course of seven years, and $4.6 million, or 500 million yen, however you want to look at it, at no, because remember, the O-Rangers are only, they are less than a year old. They have only existed for 21 weeks as of this week, as far as we can tell, okay? So at no point... Over the course of the last seven years or expenditure of enormous amount of money, did they ever think to train someone to pilot this robot? This is the Brunelleschi's Dome of Giant Robot. It is the Batman and the Brunelleschi's Dome of Giant Robots, which if you just got that joke... Uh, let me just say, I felt really good about myself for making it, and you can feel good about yourself for laughing at it, because uh, that was some erudite humor, friends. Let me tell you what, Dave, I feel great. Yeah, so Matt, can you, can you describe this robot for us? Because it's called Kendama, Kendama Robo. Mm-hmm. And... Please, just if you would. Okay, so it is built along the idea that it is kind of shaped like a Kendama, right? Like... I mean, it's pretty, like... They they nailed it pretty hard, man. Uh, yeah, like it's got it's, it's got big cups as either of its shoulders. Its head is a big spike. Yeah. 
its feet sort of like flare out together so you can kind of imagine that if it were upside down he could put its feet together to form another cup yeah um it's got a big like kandama ball on a rope hanging from one hand and on his other hand is like another sort of mini kandama i mean it's also a giant well, kandama but it is not as say, giant as the robot it's also itself. very very large yes so it's like the size so of a car a- instead of the size of a building right and so yuji looks at this and is instantly enamored of it uh, he thinks this is the greatest thing ever, which I think he's blinded a little bit by his desire for his own giant robot. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you compare Kendama Robo to Red Puncher, like, there's not a, there's a scale, there's a vast gulf of difference, <laughs> oh, is yes. all I'm saying. And so, well, because Red Puncher was designed by, <laughs> like, the world's greatest genius and expert on Choriki energy, and Kendama Robo was designed by, as far as I can tell, a lumberjack? <laughs> yeah, it was- Which, like, listen- being a lumberjack is a very difficult job, but, like, it doesn't intersect a lot with giant robot design. Sure. I mean, the guy who is, and he's here in this scene, like, the the mayor's son who was, like, the lead engineer on this thing. Um, he's here in this scene. He is probably 25, and he definitely has spent seven years working on this thing, which means that when he started putting this thing together... He was, like, what, 18, 19 years yeah, old, maybe, just, like, yeah, doodling maybe. in a notebook? So, so Yuji looks at Kendama Robo, and he says, awesome. He, like, jumps up on the shoulder, henshins, for reasons I don't understand, and just hops in the control panel. And the control panel for Kendama Robo is five giant levers mm-hmm. Couple of and wood paneling and a big window. It, it looks amazing. It looks like a luxury 70s lounge instead of a robot cockpit. Yeah. Uh, so he starts trying to pilot Kendama Robo and like with zero instruction. Like he doesn't sit down with anybody and say like, okay, like run me through the paces. Like what, 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 how does this whole thing work? He just jumps up and I guess assumes that like by virtue of piloting other giant robots... And being an O-Ranger that he will just intuitively understand how to pilot this giant robot. Despite the fact that visually, the controls are completely different from O-Robo. Right, and plus the thing he is trying to do is to catch the ball on the Kandama, right? Yeah, he's he's not actually trying to get the... He's not... He's just playing giant Kandama with Kandama Robo. Yeah, but the problem is that Yuji, as we discover is not good at the Kandama. So, like, what they really need, and the, the problem they've been running into as a town, is they need someone who is, A, good at Kandama, and, B, good at giant robots. Yeah. And, like, that is not a Venn diagram that really crosses over much. Yeah, so he tries to pilot it a little bit, and it's going very poorly. And he says, oh, maybe I do need some practice. And what they mean by practice... We find out, because we flip to the next scene, what they mean by practice is not practice piloting the giant robot. Well, sure. He already already knows how to pilot giant robots, obviously. What they mean is that Yuji needs to practice with a human-sized kendama Mm -hmm. in his human hand. Mm -hmm. And so we just see him with a group of small boys... Who were all very good at Kendama, like much better than I would be, uh, 
and Yuji is trying to play with this kendama, and they're like, no, Yuji, like, you're screwing it up. Like, you're terrible at this. You need to relax your... One of them tells him to relax his shoulders. I don't know why that would matter. But again, I'm not a kendama expert, so what do I know? How does this translate? I don't... Why? I mean... Listen, you've gotta you've gotta walk before you can run, Dave. You gotta you gotta mess around with the small wooden toy before you can really master the giant wooden toy that is Kendama Robo. Man, uh, okay. So he's terrible at both piloting Kendama Robo and at human sized Kendama. We flip over then to Empress Hysteria. And she has come up with what I think is a pretty great plan. Yeah. And this is not on the moon, by the way. She has come down to this town at night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's what they've done. Is that the Baranoia Empire has created Bara Kendama, which is a dead ringer for Kendama Robo. Mm-hmm. And they they pull a switch. They replace Kendama Robo with Bara Kendama as like a Trojan horse sort of trap thing. It's like a reverse Trojan horse, I guess. So the, the next morning, everyone shows up for Kandama Robo practice, I guess. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And Yuji is about to like hop back up into the control panel. And the rest of the O-Rangers show up and they're like, hey, Yuji. Hey, hey, Yuji. Um, hey, bud. You know how you're an O-Ranger and O-Ranger Robo is still kind of on the fritz? Um, we definitely need you to help rebuild our damaged world-saving robot? And Yuji's <laughs> like, listen, says, okay, give me, like, one that. more day. Because I've, like, Wait. half a day. I've almost got this thing. I practiced with the Kandama all night. <laughs> and that will allow me to pilot this giant Kandama robot, which could be defeated by, man, I don't know, fire? I guess. Um, um, and Goro is about to, like, insist that he come back to the quarry. But the children are like, listen, like, this really means a lot to the town. If we can get this thing up and running, then maybe, like, that will, I don't know, maybe it's going to be like a tourism I attraction. Because the town seems to be doing fine. Well, it, it does now. by the fact that they had 500 million yen to drop off building this stupid robot. Any... Like, you can't be doing that poorly, is what I'm saying. Me... But they say, like, hey, please, and then the, the mayor is there, and the son is there, and they're like, please, let him do this thing. You know, maybe when they say revitalize the town, they don't mean that, like, the town is in an economic slump. Maybe they just mean, like, this place is boring. All we have is, like, lumber mills. <laughs> like, we need we some excitement around here. stupid Kendama toys. So, like, the people will be so happy if he does it. Okay. So, uh, so he does it. He does it. He he kind of flips the ball up and he catches it on the head spike. And uh, Yuji is very excited. And the engineer's son utters the line: "The youth I gave up to build Dem- uh, Kendama Robo wasn't wasted." So yeah, I, I also wrote nice. that in my notes. <laughs> like yeah, he so really cool needed thing. this. So then they all do. The mayor is so excited. He says, join us for the Kendama dance, which uh, doesn't seem to have anything to do with the physical structure of a Kendama or like the movements you would make when playing a Kendama. Uh, it is just like a little sort of like hands up. Yeah, he is essentially he has put together like a little jingle and celebratory dance 
far in advance of this thing being completed. So he had it in his back pocket, ready for yeah, when he was, someone no, he finally was ready did it. for this. Uh huh. So they're all there, and he gets the Rangers to join him. And so they're dancing in a circle, doing the kendama dance. Except Goro. Yeah, Goro. Goro looks up at this robot, and he says, dude. He's got a thought. <laughs> he says, this is a little, he says, this does not make sense. He says, I know from giant robots. And let me just say, because he, he hops on his communicator with Yuji. And he says, listen, man, that robot moves too smoothly. Like, it's too advanced for wood. He says, you cannot make a giant robot that good entirely out of lumber. Like, it's not possible. Something is going on. I don't know what, but, like, you need to get out of there and we need to to figure out what's happening. Because, like, something is fishy here. Yeah. Yuji does not want to hear any of this because now he has his own new cool robot. Um, And so he doesn't get down. And then all of a sudden, Goro is 100% right. Yeah, uh, that's it. So Empress Hysteria just appears and she says, Barakandama, activate! If she doesn't say it like that, but Barakandama activates. And uh, it's, it's rad, because what happens is, like, these bands shoot out of the control chair and trap Yuji in it. Uh, now, I'm not sure. At first, I thought that maybe they were sort of using Yuji as a Choriki energy battery. And that was kind of what was powering Barakandama. I'm not sure. Uh, but he is trapped in there. I, I, I think they're, he's just trapped in there to, like, hold him hostage. He's, okay, yeah. I, that, that, it makes sense, too. So, oh, and his face also changes. Like, his head transforms into a much more evil-looking robot head. Oh, yeah, and his arm changes. Like, his Kendama arm changes colors a little bit. So it's clear that, you know, it's, it is now an evil monster version of Barakandama. Uh, which, for some reason, nobody in the town notices... Like, they're going to say later, like, oh, everybody, the Empress Hysteria is, like, mocking the rangers. And as, because, predictably, Bara Kendama just starts, like, wrecking the entire town. And everyone's like, Kendama Robo, like, why are you doing this? Yuji, what's happening? Why are you destroying our town? I thought you were going to help. And uh, Empress Hysteria is like, ha, see? They can't tell the difference, which is bizarre, because they very definitely look different. Yeah. Now, as uh, Yuji is trapped in Barakandama, and Barakandama is just destroying the town, uh, the other rangers are all distracted by a bunch of Bara fighters showing up, and they have a cool fight, sort of in and around some cars. Yeah, there was some. Uh, there is some really cool uh, uh, choreography where Jury is like running along three different cars in sequence, not moving cars, but like she's running. It's a multi-level fight, and she's like doing some flips off of them and stuff. It's it's pretty rad. I, I do wonder because. Like, in this show, I feel like we get a lot of interesting camera work. And we've talked about it before. Um, yeah. But, like, more interesting camera work in this show than we do in other ones. And I wonder to what extent that was jarring while watching Power Rangers Zeo. Huh. Because, like... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Zeo, like, you know, the Power Rangers camera work is not usually that exciting, if I recall. It's not. You No, yeah, that's... Uh... And so the idea of, like, switching, you know, cutting from, you know, Rocky doing something to, like, flipping over to the Sentai footage and them just doing these, like, weird camera tricks and all that sort of stuff must have been kind of weird. Yeah. So 
So it's, you know, we get a fight. Uh, we do find Kendama Robo is attacking, or I'm sorry, Bara Kendama is attacking, and he shoots energy blasts out of his eyes, but they animate little energy spheres in the blast. So he's like shooting energy balls because he's a Kendama robot, which I thought was a fun, mm-hmm. fun little touch. Yep. So uh, the mayor is like, no, the robot we built to revitalize our town is going crazy. And again, like, no, it's very definitely not the same robot. It looks very different. Um, I, you spent seven years looking at this dumb thing. I feel like you would notice, but whatever. So uh, the Rangers henshin, they continue to fight. And they, uh, you know, like it's not going well, because obviously Barakandama is already giant. So Orobo is not ready to go yet. And Goro calls for Red Puncher. Yes. And we get, again, just like the greatest delivery sequence for any giant robot in any hen- in any Sentai series we've seen. Where he's just literally shot out of a cannon that's mounted into the side of a mountain. Oh my gosh, I'm so into it. Uh, yeah, so Bara, uh, Bara Puncher, sorry, Red Puncher arrives and, and, you know, Goro gets in and they start fighting. Yeah, and the problem here is that, like, even though Goro is fighting against uh, Barakandama, he can't really fight because Yuji's in there. So, like, if he just blows the thing up, he's going to kill Yuji. Yes. So and Yuji, he's... by the way, is like, no, don't worry about it. Like, if you have to accidentally kill me with this thing, like, you do what you got to do to save the town. Right. But they're not. Uh, but they're like, that. no, we're not going to do that, obviously. So the other Rangers, so uh, Shohei, Juri, and Momo say, well, we can't. We can't do anything right now because Orobo is still not repaired. And then one of them, I forget which one, says, wait a minute, the real Kendama Robo has to be around here someplace. Like, they couldn't have destroyed it that quickly. It's like, it's, I mean, which I don't, again, that's definitely not true. Uh, it's made out of wood. You could have just set it on fire. That would have been the end of it, but whatever. <laughs> so they they run around and they they go and they find the real Kendama Robo, which is sort of like sitting in a quarry someplace. Yeah. They radio back. They say, Goro, like, l- basically, lure Bara Kendama over here. We will pilot uh, Kendama Robo, and then we'll sort of be able to to kind of double team, and we'll figure this out from there. Yeah, so Goro lures Bara Kendama over to the quarry, where sort of out of nowhere, the bar- uh, Shohei is now piloting Kendama Robo and uses the sort of rope ball thing to like snake around Bara Kandama's man there's a lot of there's a lot of similar a lot names of Kandama going it's on it's very here. difficult yeah, uh-huh. to keep it all straight um so Shohei uses Kandama Robo to trip and like essentially like a giant bolo like just trip yeah. uh Bara Kandama and now he's on the ground Red Puncher comes around and sort of gets him in like a like a grappling hold from behind yeah, it's a cool moment. Reaches down and, like, punches through the cockpit to where Yuji is being trapped. Like, he doesn't, like, yes. punch all the way in to, like, crush Yuji to death, obviously. He just, like, smashes open, like, the big glass, like, windshield. Front, yeah. So then Momo and Juri are able to kind of get in, get Yuji free, and then Red Puncher is is sort of free to to really let Bara Kandama have it because Yuji is no longer a prisoner. Yeah, it is now it is punch time. Yeah, and he just he punches him very, very well. There's a lot of punches. Uh many punches, and he does that like cool piston punch that kind of reminds me of Big O. Uh it's very neat. Oh man, Big O. 
I know, right? Uh, such a good show. So uh, that, like, once Yuji is no longer a prisoner, Kendama Bara Kendama does not have a whole lot to to offer in this fight. Like, it's over. It's over pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, Red Puncher uses his finishing technique called Magna Puncher. Uh, I think I, I think I called that Mega Puncher before, but I was mistaken. Yeah, where he sort of like jumps up and spins and turns into a fireball. There's a lot of giant robots turning into fireballs in Sentai shows, I've discovered. Well, the thing about and giant robots turning into fireballs is that it's very good and exciting. Yeah, it's very, very cool. So just keep doing that. Like, I'm, Yeah, sorry. Let me be clear. I'm not complaining about it. Sure. It's cool every time it happens. So uh, that's the end of Barakandama. He just kind of he explodes. And uh, great. Uh, they've saved the day. Hooray! And then it's the end of the episode, and, like, Kendama Robo is still sort of in good working order, and so yep. everyone says, like, okay, well, we're, we're counting on, the, the O-Rangers, rather, say to the townspeople, like, we're counting on you and Kendama Robo to, like, really, you know, do your best in some, like, you know, vague, unspecified way. Yes. Um, I, I think the engineer, like the head engineer, the mayor's son, says that he is going to train with the robo so that he can pilot it. Yeah, he does. Which, man, you really should have just been doing that the whole time, but whatever. Dude, wh- how much would I love, the answer is a lot, how much would I love a, a show where just like every town in Japan was like building their own giant robots to help fight alongside the Super Sentai team? Sort of like a Gundam Z, but only in Japan. Yeah. Yes, I would be very into that. So, uh, yeah. So then Yuji says, I've learned the value of teamwork, which I, by which I think he means I've learned the value of not being jealous of the other members of my team and that like maybe I don't need to have my own special giant robot just because I want it, even if it wouldn't be particularly valuable. Which is not exactly the same thing as teamwork. Yuji? Yeah. Feels slightly disingenuous. Especially because, like, that, the way that they... I, I guess they did use teamwork to, like, get Yuji out of Barakandama. Um, you know, with all of them sort of working together like that. But teamwork is not what destroyed Barakandama. Goro solo piloting the Red Puncher is what destroyed Barakandama. Yeah, so that's not really... So he, again, he learned I... the value of him doing teamwork and Goro punching everything. Which is not quite the same, but still very good. It's a very different lesson. Uh, So that's the end of that episode, Matt, but it's not the end of our episode. No, Dave. Now it is time for us to determine where uh, Barakandama lands in the Creature Royale. So, you know, okay. So I like Barakandama really because of the plan that he's part of. Yes. That's the biggest thing he's got going for him. And the fa- okay. Also, I will give Barakandama point. Well, I don't know if he should get these points because he didn't. He wasn't designed by the Baranoia Empire. Like they were imitating human design. But it's still a good look. But yeah, well, it's a very Barakandama is very on message. He's like, I am a Kandama monster, and I am myself a giant Kandama with a giant Kandama arm. Yeah, it's, and I shoot it's, like energy yeah. kendama balls out of my eyes. Yeah, like he as he has like a look, and he's very committed to that. And so I give him points there. As a as a monster, he's not terribly, you know, he's not terribly effective. Um, 
but I, uh, you know, he's he's visually appealing. I think he's a, he's got a neat look, and I like the plan that he's part of. Okay, so top so, half or bottom half of the list, which is to say above or below the jewelry priestesses from Die Ranger, who are still, like, smack dab in the middle. Yeah, just right in the middle. Well, you know, I am tempted to say top half, but... Well, okay, because just above the ring priestess is Pachinko Master. Yes. And I think that if he's going to go on the top half of the list, he can't go too high on it. Because I... That is just... Yeah. Like, I think that Pachinko Master... Actually, I like Pachinko Master a lot more because I just remembered Pachinko Master's whole deal about how he didn't actually want to fight anybody. He just wanted to play Pachinko He just wanted day. to play Pachinko. Yeah, you know, so I was saying top half, but I'm looking at the... Ha- like, so it's the ring priestesses, and then just underneath that is the ghost lantern. Like that crazy yeah. with like it had like the five ghosts and then, we got the copy and then empress. copy empress and then Bara Magma and Sunakake. Okay, yeah. So Sunakake Bob is a hard one to beat. Like magical, magical sand filled breasts that allow her to do like evil magic. That's. I mean, you've got you've got to have some juice to beat that. Yeah. So I actually. As I'm saying that, I actually don't think that I would put Barak and Dama in that top half. So, I would say, because just beneath Sunakake Baba is uh, Bakaneko, the cat lady who had her own hotel, Bara Devil, the traffic light dimension, uh, then Kappa, Rokurokubi, and Bara Vanish. Okay, I like them better than Bara Vanish. I can definitely say that. Okay, now Bara Vanish, if you will recall, did have the extra ability of uh, using technology to read a child's memories and project it like a hologram. Ooh, yes. But he also was not a giant Kandama. Well, like, that's, Kandama that's didn't true. have as cool of a... Or, I'm sorry, Barra Vanish didn't have as cool of a look. And I think I think Barra Kandama's look is really pushing him up over the edge for me. Okay. And really, it's, uh, it's that wood-paneled cockpit that does it. That's, yeah, that's really sealing the deal as far as I'm concerned. So I would say above Bara Vanish, um, below Kappa and Roko Rokubi. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Kappa and Roko Rokubi just had such a loving relationship that I feel bad, uh, you know, knocking them too too far down. Um, so yeah, so that is going to put Bara Kandama in at the new spot seventy four. Okay. And that, finally, is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show, because, as we understand it, that helps other people find the show. Uh, Retrograde Orbit Radio produces the show, and to find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.